Hello everyone. Welcome to a very special episode of CEA Global Voices the Critical Knowledge Podcast where we discuss various critical issues that affect us globally. The United Nations Climate Change Conference COP27 is being held in Egypt this year. This is an annual event where world leaders as well as researchers and activists from different parts gather and discuss to create a plan for climate action for the years to come. This year the event is significant for various reasons the primary one being to address the climate emergency that we are in to give you more context on this front global temperatures have increased by 1.1 degree celsius since pre-industrial times and scientists believe that going beyond 1.5 would see dangerous impacts for people all over the world experts moreover say that if we continue with current policies we are on track for about 2.7 degree celsius of warming To add on to that there is a group of activists that are boycotting the event this year on the grounds that conferences such as these greenwash lie and cheat the common people another interesting part of this year's summit is the discussion around the issue of loss and damage finance the world bank estimates that the total economic damage due to the effects of climate change sits at over 30 billion dollars These damages however are not equally distributed. While the global north is historically more responsible for global emissions, it is the global south that is bearing the brunt of the climate crisis. While this issue has been part of technical UN negotiations since quite a few years, this year it has officially found space in the agenda for the event. But what are our realistic expectations from COP27? is this going to be another year with world leaders coming out of it with statements like the clock is ticking and we are in the fight of our lives or are some hard decisions to be taken which will be a major inconvenience not only for the global south but for the global north as well as big corporations to discuss this and some more we talk with few early career researchers who look at climate change from different aspects We talk to them about climate change, about their work, about COP27 and what would be their expectations from an ideal climate change conference at this juncture. I am your host Shreya Urvashi. I am a PhD student at Tata Institute of Social Sciences in Mumbai and with me today are Harry and Gaurav from University of Manchester. Um Harry, could you quickly introduce yourself? Hi, um I'm Harry. I'm a first year PhD researcher. looking at um cities and climate change so i'm looking at international best practice for decarbonizing at the city level awesome and gaurav can you introduce yourself hi i'm gaurav i am with tindu center for climate change university of manchester uh, my phd research focuses on centering wellbeing in climate mitigation to connect intra country and inter country equity I I also intend to put forward paths for India's power sector to decarbonize uh, using a climate justice lens. Awesome. Um thank you so much for coming both of you. I think um I was we were like really excited to have you both together because you know seemingly you work on the same topic at the same center in the same university but then um i was going through your backgrounds and uh, harry you ha- you come from an environmental and pol science background while gorov is an engineer so um i'm sure even if 
you work towards the same thing you come you take like different approaches and i'm sure there are kind of clashes when you work together or i don't know we could go into that discussion um but yeah i i'm really looking forward to uh, seeing how like a more political science approach differs from an engineering approach and where they mix what are the uh, differences etc um so harry let's start with you um i think to start this uh, i would want to know like given that cop 27 starts today um what are your thoughts about it like can you reflect on the other uh, conferences that have happened and what is what are the importance of these discussions and um yeah like uh, how effective are these discussions yeah so it's um it's a really good question because it's such an international audience for for the cops just generally and i think they are really important because they bring issues of climate to a global stage but there are obviously lots of problems with them and the you depending on who you ask will you you'll see whether things are getting done or they're not getting done to certain degrees um so i think this cop 27 is going to be a really important one for all of us because there's so much in the last year or so even since the last one there's been so much more chat about climate change and like what we need to do to prevent irreversible um changes to the planet and lots of people are seeing a lot of climate impacts now but we need to try and make decisions that are going to minimize the impacts of that so it's going to be really difficult and i think the leaders at cop 27 really need to make some seriously difficult decisions but in the long run obviously it will be good for everyone and that's that's what i think will bring that's what brings people together in regarding climate change is the fact that they it's it's an issue that impacts everyone like literally everyone obviously in different ways but it, at the end of the day things like cop 27 are important for every citizen of those global leaders countries that they're representing um so yeah i just think it's going to be really important this year especially when you think about the fact that in a likely scenario for 1.5 degrees of warming we only have 8 years left of current emissions to to get to that to get to the 1.5 which obviously is really frightening and probably quite going to be incredibly difficult to do so and then if you think about 2 degrees which people have been talking about a lot more recently we actually only we actually have less than 20 years at current emissions rates to get to that as well so i think it's facts like that that people need to really listen to um when they're going into things like cop 27 and making these really difficult decisions but they they need to be made yeah exactly i think yeah uh, you mentioning that we just have 8 years left for the 1.5 degree um change and i i think as a layman or someone who is not actively researching climate change that is like super panicky and like whenever i see these documents i'm just like okay why are we not only working towards this and then gradually other like we understand other factors as leading a normal life and we realize how people cannot give it as much importance as it probably needs due to logical and somewhat not logical reasons um but yeah on that note i think uh, there are a couple of points you mentioned about you know like some things are getting done and things not getting done and that the leaders need to make serious decisions 
And on, on this note, I think, uh, Gaurav, I wanted to ask you, um, given that you have experience in activism um, in the global south, um, so you, you're not a new person to, you know, like asking for difficult decisions to be made, sometimes uh, winning in that, sometimes maybe not. Um, so I wanted to ask you, like, how has your experience been um, specifically in environmental activism, but also like in activism in general in the global south? And um, yeah, how does that relate to the global climate movement um, that we are in right now? Uh, first and foremost, we have to acknowledge that, uh, that the global climate movement and or like what is there what we see in the media and uh, in like last 10 years, the role that particularly they have played in the wealthy countries, they have played a huge role in uh, at least improving uh, or uh, improving people's uh, political consciousness that we have to acknowledge. And at times they also acknowledge that it is climate change is an issue which impacts differentially and but it it goes to the level of uh, seeing like uh, talking about how climate change impacts people at different level or are currently impacting people uh, who have not been responsible for causing it. But when if I see it through, uh, if I, I contextualize it a bit more or I bring in my experiences from Global South and also uh, uh, my experiences in the research as well as my experiences from uh, the activism. Uh, I feel like uh, there are, if I have to generalize a bit more, I see it as two moments, like what are the priorities in the wealthy countries? So for wealthy countries, uh, the, the issues or the slogans are like, we have to decarbonize, there is an urgent need for reduction of emissions, climate action or climate movement is important for the future of the children. But for us in the global south, uh, the issues are a bit different. For us, like the climate impacts are a reality. Uh, so when we do climate activism or we do activism, we talk about historical responsibility. We talk about finance for loss and damage. We, talk, we do not talk or do not push for decarbonization at times. We talk about carbonizing people's life in a sustainable way so that we do poverty eradication, we improve people's uh, uh, living standards. These are the issues. And that's why there is a difference. And at times I feel there is an overlap, but there are more differences when you see the climate movements in global North and global South. And sometimes we like, I would like to say like cherry pick or try to replicate the slogans from global North, North like, no new oil, no new development projects, no new coal. And that's, I think at times that's problematic. And there are there, uh, but lastly, I would like to say that we can, we can build a larger, uh, a larger movement in global south uh, contextualizing climate change. But we have to uh, build it upon from the learnings of uh, the labor movements, women's movement, farmers movements, Women's on social justice and build try to build a rainbow coalition. Uh, that's that can be a way, and there is some work which, which people are doing. Uh, but yeah, that's my take. Yeah, I I think that sounds 
um, very correct. I mean, uh, given that my work centers around um, social movements and I look at student movements, but also other kinds of movements. And I think that's that's a factor that's been coming in, in all aspects that um, movements can only succeed if we appreciate differences and you know try to bring in as many people together as possible. Um, but yeah, I think there were a couple of really good points that you made. Um, but I think the main part, um, which is very apparent is uh, how the priorities of different countries are different, um, how it's, it's very easy for some countries to say to, you know, like, stop all kinds of dev like construction or stop all kinds of development while um, for the global south, especially that is not really an option. Um, so I think this is my question for both of you, but I'd start with Harry. Um, how, how do you see uh, climate action? Um, like, uh, how, how do you interpret the trajectory of climate action? Like, what are the roles of different countries that have been and action and inaction? And um, yeah, um, how do you place yourself? Like, what should we do? Like, how should we bring in um, different countries together? And how do you see the future of climate action for us to actually be able to make a difference here? Yeah, um, I think when it comes to global climate action, it's really difficult because obviously, yeah, everyone is in completely different scenarios. Um, and I think it's completely ridiculous that the biggest emitters who've been emitting for hundreds, well, since the Industrial Revolution, like around then, they seem to be getting off pretty much scot-free. They keep making all these promises about how they're going to change and all this stuff, but they're the ones who are also able to keep on business as usual for the longest because they won't feel the impacts of climate change as soon as the less, less industrialised nations. Um, and I just think that there needs to be some kind of, this is what I'm hoping for at things like COP. This is what you hope for, but you don't know whether it actually happens. Is when you see the more more industrialized countries who have got huge carbon emitting you know economies you really want them to be the ones who take take on board the fact that they they should should be making the biggest cuts and they should be changing their economy because they can afford to and they've got the technology to whereas other countries who are less industrialized might not have the money and they might not have the technology. So I think it's really important that there's lots more sharing of information. And like, I just think in a time like this, like it is a crisis and it seems ridiculous to me that different technologies are gonna be sold to different, um, different countries, um, which I just think is really wrong. But it's things like, even in this country, they're thinking of new technologies to decarbonize and I can't remember who was saying it. It was a local, like, um, member of a local government that I was heard speaking recently. And they were talking about how they needed this really innovative technology and how they poured loads of money into developing it. And how then, once they developed it, they were going to sell it to all the other local authorities, which just, to me, seems so counterproductive. Because if a local authority that has has the geography to, to take that intervention, the decarbonisation intervention on, but they can't afford to buy it off a different different local authority. Like obviously, that's completely counterproductive and won't solve anything. Um, so I just think that I think that 
really high emitting countries just need to pull their finger out a bit and take take ownership of the fact that they have had the opportunity to industrialize and create these incredibly wealthy nations off of technologies that have polluted our planet and that they need to be the ones who try to rectify the situation um so yeah 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 i think that is uh, a really well placed um answer here and i think um i agree gorif do you have anything to um add to this um like this is coming from you mentioning that uh, we need to form a global climate movement uh, including feminist movements other social exclusion like including all kinds of groups and um, harry very clearly pointed out how the wealthier countries or countries that have had the chance to develop should take more ownership and uh, you know like just do more um and i think because i want to bring you here because i think this relates to a lot of our conversations we've had through the years where i'm just like uh you know like why uh, like why do we need certain activities to happen in terms of like developmental activities and the people getting affected there etc and like you have always been able to tell me that um you know like the first world and the third world cannot um react in the same way so yeah what's your take on the whole global climate movement yeah uh, i totally agree with harry and like she has also rightly pointed out we have to understand why we are here so we are here at this moment we are talking about climate emergency because the wealthier nations have though they knew since 1990 since the first ipcc report that this is an issue and it uh, it will Im- impact uh, it will have negative impacts across the world but they did not take action and still also their reduction rates are not what is needed so that uh, that i totally agree with harry but uh, the thing is like when we see in a uh, through like if we contextualize it through a global south perspective we we also have to see that no countries have reached a well-being level or a higher hdi or uh, have uh, eradicated poverty without emissions or uh, without any sort of development projects or developmental activities so there will be some emissions which is coming from global south so there will be need of development projects there will be need of these activities though i we, i have to say it has to be done in a sustainable way it has to take care of people's right like land rights and other rights so it it, it should also like in a developing country all uh, this development policy should also be very inclusive and should not increase inequalities but saying that stop this stop building new uh, railways or connecting people or in, in a developing country uh, it, it, it's it's not the right way of going about it and i think that is acknowledged mostly in the global south movement especially youth movement student movement farmers movement i can go on but uh, when you look it through uh, if we try to adopt the slogans from the global north then it will be a problem because the issues are different here we cannot talk about building new airports or development projects in global south that is needed uh, connecting people building new projects yeah 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 i think that is exactly right and 
Um, yeah, I, I think what we've discussed also makes sense to someone like me, uh, who gets most of the climate news and um, updates via social media and clickbaity headlines. Um, but yeah, this was a good um, informative piece of discussion and a good insight into what to expect in the next um, few days uh, when the different uh, countries, representatives of countries meet. I think uh, towards the end now, uh, one final question I wanted to get to know from both of you, given that you are in places uh, where um, you, are, you have like a certain kind of power or more like influence um, on decision policy decisions, etc. So if you know, like you were a part of COP27 as a representative of your country or uh, via some group, then uh, what would your priorities be? And like, yeah, what would be the something, what would be some things that you would want to come out of um, at the end of this conference? Um, Harry, we'd uh, ask you and then we can move on to Gaurav. Yeah, that's a really hard question, um, just because obviously I can talk till the days, I can talk for days about what I would like to happen, but when you try and think as though you're a policymaker, you can obviously think of all the problems with an idealistic world that I hope to create. But yeah, no, I'm sorry. Um, I think at the end of COP27, if I was a policymaker, I would just want some concrete resolutions in place or as concrete as possible and if I was talking it from a global north industrialized country point of view which is obviously I know the most about my own country um, I would want to make sure that I had committed to a significant carbon reduction and also used like utilized other people's knowledge at that conference to plan a pathway to a, a low carbon economy, because obviously academics and activists also go to COP27, go to the COPs. It's not just world leaders. So I think it would be such a good place to actually be able to learn from people who are experts in the field, create pathways that are doable and useful and then at least you can you can try your best to try and decarbonize your country's economy, especially in a highly polluting one like like I currently live in. So I think that's what I'd want to take away from it. I'd want to use utilize everyone's expertise, create some promises that I would hope to have achieved, like not in the far future, like between this COP and the next COP. That's what. That's what's stressful about all of the things. Like even when I was saying that we've only got what we've only got eight years to create to have a likely chance of 1.5. People think eight years is a long time, and it's really, really not. Um, and the 20 less than 20 years, like I don't for two degrees, I don't like using that statistic because people think it's really far in the future. Um, but it really isn't. So yeah, I would want some promises and some action between COP27 and COP28. Yeah, yeah. If if only um, our world leaders also thought the same way. <laughs> <laughs> True. Uh, Gaurav, uh, would you like to say what would your priorities be from these discussions? 
so just adding to what Ari, Harry has said and just picking up, uh, she mentioned actions. So if I put my policymaker hat and I'm at COP, so first of all, we are at the globe together is at 1.1 degrees Celsius now. Okay. So the main priority now is loss and damage and finance transfer for loss and damage so that the countries in the global south which are facing climate impacts or which are facing extreme events because of climate change uh, financial transfers to them that is a one priority which i'll put secondly if i don't want to contextualize financial transfers uh, or transfer of technology through a global south perspective but if even if we if if the world together is serious for 1.5 so they have to transfer technology, they have to transfer finance, not as loans, but as country to country or party to country, uh, party to party uh, uh, grants that should be there, that should be the main agenda. So that countries with lower capacity to mitigate can get that capacity through finance and technology transfer. And it is important for feasibility of the 1.5 target. Those will be the two actions that I would like to see uh, from, uh, in, from COP27. And we as a researchers or activists have been disappointed with COP26 or the previous COP because time and again, they have uh, ignored equity, which was one of the main uh, uh, thing, uh, one of the main factor in the UNFCC framework but it has been equity has been eroded out of the documents over this last 30 years so i don't have that much hope uh, coming out of cop 27 but i have more hope coming out of the climate movements and uh, from across the world but i think we all do agree that um, yeah we can't really expect um, people to radically change um, what they have been uh, by people I mean uh, the representatives who go to COP uh, to radically change uh, how the previous ones have been going but yeah I think the takeaway here is that um, we do have hopes from the climate movement um, and also I, I think I, I really like the idea of you both mentioning um, what needs to be done now and urgently is um, creating pathways that are doable and useful and um, taking more responsibility rather than loaning and transferring. And um, I think the bottom line to all of this is that we are all in this together and it's not a competition anymore. So we, everyone just needs to chip in as much as you can. Um, so yeah, uh, thank you so much for coming. Um, we are unfortunately done with uh, time 